Well, hello and welcome to another episode of What We're Listening To, a show where we talk about music and challenge each other to hear new things. With me today, as always, is my good friend Josh wants to move to Ireland short. How are you doing? (laughs) Don't tempt me. You have had so much Irish music you've been sending me and it's all being placed on a big spectrum of like trad all the way to modern and then somewhere in between. So, you know, one day it's going to happen, right? I appreciate their artistic vibe is what I guess I would say. Yes. yes Except definitely. for you too. They're, they're useless. <laughs> I mean, the 80s were fine for them. <laughs> All right, I have a quiz for you, and this is how well you do on this is how well you have kind of researched your homework and maybe know a little bit more about the members of the band Wolfpack. Oh okay. So, but you can probably take an educated guess and and do okay. So, um, there is one guitarist in Wolfpack uh, whose name is Corey Wong, yes, and I think there's a song named after him on the album. Um, so he's made his own albums in one song. The song is called, um, going to quit music and get a real job. He mentions, um, that going to quit music and get a real job, but his family have a, uh, like a family business. And so he jokes about joining that family business. The question is, what does his family business do? Does it a make machine parts? B are they lawyers? C, own a restaurant, or D, run, run a hang gliding business. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, jeez. I've seen Corey Wong. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take a stab at restaurant. Ding, ding, you are correct. Oh, well done. <laughs> So he had an album called Wong's Cafe, which uh-huh. is the name of his his um, family's business, and they served a mixture of Asian and American food. Um, they've since changed their name, but it's still in the family. It was run by his grandparents and then um, taken over by his uncles. And so um, I think he, yeah, he kind of writes about hanging around this restaurant a lot as a kid that his yeah. grandparents ran. And so you can see Wong's Cafe on the front of one of his albums. And uh yeah, he jokes about joining the family <laughs> business and selling food. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's pretty like uh, West Coast uh, Asian experience in some for a lot of people probably too. Um, yeah, East I think Coast, East Coast uh, Yeah, I think it's in um, Twin Cities, so Illinois. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, my I have to thank I have to thank my brother-in-law for introducing me to obviously. Wolfpack, well, not obviously, but he introduced me to Wolfpack and then also showed me a bit of Corey Wong stuff. And Corey Wong, I'll talk, well, I'll mention it now. He does his own thing and he's got like, he kind of lays heavily into the cheesiness. You know, he's got Corey Wong and the Wong notes kind of thing. Yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah. They're quite funny and well produced and all that sort of thing. (laughs) So, but we're talking about the band proper later on. So, anyway, we'll get to that. Do you have any uh, follow-up from uh, the past month that we haven't <laughs> chatted? Um, I have one. We can just save uh, for the bumper, you know, <laughs> honorable mentions at the end. Sorry, keep going. I've kept mine short. I have uh, one small one, which is that since we last talked, I was able to see the band Squid play. Um, yeah. Which was really fun. Uh, we packed up into the rickshaw McGoover, which holds about mm-hmm. 200 people. 
Um, and it was super loud. And uh, mm. I don't know. I It was just great to see a band play, but also like a band with such uh, energy um, from the get-go. Yeah. They just kind of cranked it and kept going. It was great. That's awesome. I am very jealous. Uh, there is no Australian tour lined up for them, so oh, really? I will wait. <laughs> the rickshaw is loud. Last time I saw a band there, it was just intense. I mean, I always take a headphone uh, earplugs to like most rock gigs now anyway, <laughs> and it seems like that's what they do. Yeah. Um, Got to look after those uh, those ears. Yeah. Um, I have one uh, piece of follow-up. I've been listening to old Church's albums again. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's maybe what you gave me this week that's got me in the mood for like synth pop female vocalist stuff. But um, I'll chuck a few faves from their first two albums um, on on the playlist. But it's funny. Someone mentioned to me, you know, that their third album, Forever, was no good. And I tried listening to it and they were kind of right. Like it just... Just didn't quite gel. I'm not sure what happened there, but oh well. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. If there's no more follow-up, we can head into it. And as we've mentioned, we, we had a, um, a bit of a break and so, well, unintentional break. And so we, we missed our, uh, our last recording time. So this might be a bit of a bigger episode, you know, with multiple reviews. We'll see how we go. So uh, let's head into it. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I've been a good boy and kept my notes reasonably tidy. Um, it it's, might Better be next me. episode where I have multiple uh, albums to review. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been in a bit of a weird musical place where um, when I have time, I've been going back to um, like 70s funk and soul music a lot. Uh, so I've been listening to a bunch of like James Brown and the famous flame or like Al Green. And so I decided to go with an album that I haven't really given the attention it deserves before, which is uh, Marvin Gaye's what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know that this is a legendary album for a very good reason. I've just never quite gone through it before. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it, uh, I mean, what to say? It's a it's a beautiful record um, from a legendary soul singer. Um, I kind of love the history of it as well. So uh, Marvin Gaye, at the time, before this record came out, was the most famous uh, solo artist on the Motown label. He was like the big star. Um, and he really didn't want to keep making uh, standards or like these... Uh, singles about like love and getting on and that kind of stuff. Um, because you know, he's kind of famous for like Heard It Through the Grapevine or Let's Get It On, these kind of like pretty famous songs. Um, and uh, America is going through like a really tumultuous time in 1970 and 1971, and he wants to go a different direction. And the label and him kind of fight it out for a while. They actually, the label actually sn- uh, sneakily released a greatest hits before this that he didn't know about. And right. it, the, um, the album cover is quite something. It's like him, uh, clean shaven in like a Superman outfit, um, what? holding up a, like a, up. like a radio antenna. And like in the other arm, he's like holding this like busty lady. And he's like, this is so like discordant. 
Um, yeah, because like everything he's written on this album is very, very different. Yeah, and that's kind of what I love about it. Like this is a very much so um, Marvin Gaye as like an artist wanting to make something. Like it's not like the label like, oh, you have to make a political record. You have to make a protest record. But he's like, I am living in this place and it's causing me such distress that I have to make something different. And so he mm. makes this record um, and gets a whole bunch of his like old Motown friends and some new guys to come help him and puts together this like really different thing. Um, but it's yeah. still in the awesome Motown genre. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of, uh, so how to, how to talk about this record. It has all these pieces to it, like um, Marvin Gaye's like amazing vocal performances and like singing um, spoken word pieces. And you have like James Jameson bass parts, which are like oh, incredible. Like, like you listen to them and you're like, those shouldn't work, but they're so good. They like, elevate beyond like regular music to some degree like it's they're so incredible you know like the the horns and the strings and like some um more like psychedelic like the songs kind of mm. like flow into each other um yeah yeah and you have those bridge parts like on what's going on the like part where there's like this you know temporary key change and you feel like you're floating a little bit until you get back into the main groove sort of thing yeah like and so just on the bass lines can i interject for for a moment go for it um i so when i was at uni doing bass obviously james jameson was like a big deal and that was where i first actually heard about james jameson like i was into other bass players but my bass tutor was like, okay, you need to learn what's going on. Um, <laughs> every bar is different. Like it's the same chords over and over again, but every single bar is a slightly different than the next. And it's, you know, obviously he's improving stuff, yeah. but what he's doing is like basically writing a beautiful bass line. And he was all doing it just with one finger, you know, just this yeah. dead sounding bass with one finger, um, like the right hand part and just it's amazing stuff to listen to you could just get lost in those bass lines if you focus on them they're just beautifully flowing up and down kind of approaching the chords from different uh, directions all the time it's just amazing yeah and the the production on the bass is like kind of crummy so it doesn't stand out a super amount sometimes um, yeah well, like it's that, that kind of dead sound yeah, yeah it's, it's really flat um and I think the myth the myth is that he never changed his bass strings. <laughs> I don't know the weight in that myth, um, but that was the the kind of urban myth about how he got that awesome dead sound. Yeah. So I mean, this record is really different from other things that Marvin Gaye has made, both like sonically okay. and thematically. Um, like a lot of these songs are about you know poverty, extreme poverty. The Vietnam War, um, you know, uh, ghettoization and like what's happening with the police and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a really uh, earnest album. And like the question, mm. like what's going on from from the beginning, um, like carries the whole way through. Like he, he's, there aren't like yeah. aren't answers presupposed. It's more just Marvin just like 
just just asking like why are these things happening why is the world this way um yeah and i've personally found it to be quite a emotional uh bomb myself in these like last few months not in the same way obviously um but like living you know uh war in the east and uh covid stuff like still happening but wrapping up and all that kind of stuff it's been um yeah. a, a album that uh helps with anxiety is what i would say maybe um yeah and it has the bonus obviously yeah. being very beautiful to listen to it's incredible like if you were to write about these themes today they would often probably come in a very angry sounding package mm. um like you would get very intense songwriting, whatever genre it might have turned out to be. But because it's in the 70s and this is the kind of music he was writing before, he just keeps going and it's not a disconnect. I don't think it's a wrong connection to have these really existential social justice oriented lyrics alongside beautiful Motown sort of soul music. Yeah, I think it's a really good match and like, we probably need to do more of this to not always go, oh, when the subject matter is dark, have dark music. When the subject matter is happy, have happy music. You know, it's it's a bit too black and white sort of thing. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And, I mean, like, he's also like Stevie Wonder. It, this reminded me a lot of Stevie Wonder, um, although not as celebratory, but there was the same kind of also biblical hope, I think. Yeah. Like, there's so much of that still in this record in the same way that Stevie did, so... I found like it very. I yeah. I also found it encouraging. There's the like background of like religiosity and soul, where he's like, you know, we should we should love each other, love your father, love your mother, love your brother, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. just like the Lord told you to do. And it's really interesting to kind of get that in the middle of this these songs. Um, mm. Yeah. Anyway, like yeah. a, a a short album, like 35 minutes. Um, yeah. The like the like forty fortieth anniversary edition has like a deluxe set and comes with like a live performance in the back that I've also been going through. Um, yeah, but it's kind of the actual record itself is just a real flash in the pan small thing um, from Marvin Gaye. It's just yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. That's great. It's interesting. I wondered whether um, so when I was listening to this, I was like, oh, I wonder if Josh has gotten onto this off the back of Tend the Garden from um, from Gang of Youths. Oh, yeah. Um, because there are parts of Tend the Garden which really remind me, uh, they reference this sound to me, you know, with the sax solo in the bridge. It suddenly feels like we've launched into like a Marvin Gaye sort of tribute song. Um, <laughs> and I wonder whether that was like, oh, I feel like some Motown now. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be impossible. Uh, that has been kind of like the area that I've been sitting in for the last little while. Yeah, yeah. Motown. It's cool. Yeah, that's nice. I found the the album cover of this the greatest hits, and yes, that's atrocious. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so he was fighting with the obviously the record label of Motown, the head guy, and he's like, "I want to release something." And they're like, "Okay, we'll release something," and they release this, and he's like, "What the heck, man?" So he then he he wouldn't record anything for like months. And he's like their biggest star. And they're like, please, would you record something? We need to put something out there. He's like, no. Unless you put out this, like, what's going on single that I want to put out there. And they're like, oh, fine. Yeah. And it was like a smash hit. So I was like, okay, you can do this album. Anyway, oh, Power Games. 
Just just to kind of um, add something else in, if people are interested and don't know a lot about Motown, there's a great mm. documentary, it's an old one now, called Standing in the Shadows of Motown. And you get to meet a lot of the Funk Brothers, who were the original musicians who kind of played on all of these tracks. And, um, you know, some of them have passed away now, but a lot of them are kind of old guys kind of talking about, you know, recording processes for different things. And um, they get some modern artists in to kind of do performances of these Motown songs like Ben Harper and all that kind of like there's just some great um, artists. And so if you're interested, check that out. It's a good doco. <laughs> it is a good documentary. One that you watch in high school, right, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, if you play in band class, you will watch it at high school at some point for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's like a trope. <laughs> all right. Well, that's what I've been listening to, sir. How about you? Did you have another review? You you threatened to have two. Mm, I'm going to save them for next time, I think. I'm still going through them. Okay. Cool. Uh, so I've been also listening to a very short album. This is another half hour album um, by musician Ian Chang. And Ian is the drummer for Sun Lux. So mm-hmm. he is the one of the, the trio. Um, and what you'll discover is if you like Sun Lux, you'll realize that each person in that band is not just a member of the band. They are their own like uh, writers and each of them has their own solo projects apart from Sun Lux, which is really interesting. And so I thought it would be really interesting to listen to and compare them a little bit. Um, but I've been mostly listened to Ian's um, because I like it the most. So if I was to give a broad <laughs> overview, um, Ryan Lott does like instrumental sort of orchestral stuff. Um, he he doesn't actually have any vocals really in his stuff, but you can hear a lot of the same chord choices and kind of tone colors that you'll hear in Sound Sunlux. So he's done soundtracks for like movies and games and stuff like that. So um, yeah, he's got a great back catalog. Um, uh, Rafik does uh, kind of more avant-garde music. Um, he doesn't also he also doesn't have singing in his music it's he's the guitarist but he also kind of does a lot of uh, um, bit of orchestral sounding stuff and synthy and ambient and all that sort of thing I it didn't really gel with me as much out of the three oh. but it was still really interesting um, and then Ian Ian's a very unique uh, musician because as Josh discovered when he was listening to this <laughs> you know it kind of sounds like a like an electronic album, right? There's lots of these cool drum parts. And so you think, okay, Ian's a drummer. He's probably done the drums and he's got samples on top and he's got these like kind of singers to sing in this like sort of almost uh, electronic hip hop style. But then you discover that he's actually playing a drum kit with MIDI triggers all over it mm-hmm. and he's triggering and playing all of these different parts. So when you see him perform, it's just him and a drum kit but with a computer next to him and all these different like uh, cables running off the drums and he plays the songs relatively completely just by himself. So he's a very unique dude, wouldn't you say, Josh? Um, yeah, that, yeah. I, I listened to it once through and I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of glitch poppy. Like maybe he's doing like some jump stuff, some computer stuff and putting them over each other. And then I looked at some live videos of him doing it and it hadn't clicked in my head before. Of like, oh, of course he's going to do that because that's the kind of player he is. Um, I, yeah, I've obviously, I've never seen um, like sample drums done this way. It's so clever. 
And Mm. obviously, if you can figure it out, you could make very, very different kind of compositionally sounding songs doing things this way. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I have a funny story. The first time I saw this done was, um, you know, when I was teaching music um, and there was someone who was doing a performance of Phil Collins's, uh, what's the one, you know, the with the gorilla drumming? Um, in the Air Tonight. In the Air Tonight, yeah. But this guy played in the Air Tonight on, like only on drum kit and he was triggering the chords and different parts as well as playing the beat. So he had the chords set to like cymbals and then he'd play the normal beat and um, it was actually quite cleverly done. And that was my first experience of like, oh, okay, you're using a Roland electric drum kit and then you're triggering different parts of the song that you've pre-set up to be, you know, it's just MIDI basically. Yeah. So that was my first introduction. But then, yeah, Ian kind of takes it a step further. And you've we've probably seen that with like live clips of Sun Lux. He's triggering the horn parts or, or other things as well as um, playing the drum kit. Like... He's a really good drummer, just straight out. <laughs> but he's really interesting because I've never really heard a drummer feel so loose and so tight all at the same time. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, he kind of his beats feel like they're kind of falling apart, but he's never like out of time, and he's never he's never not supporting the song. And so the same is true of this album. It's a great, it's a really interesting album. It's not like. Every track is a standout. The first track, Lion Dance, is great. Audacious is really good and Bird's Tongue is cool. I like it when he had vocals on top and it was kind of more of like a kind of a hip-hop-y kind of electronic song. Um, some of the other ones are kind of experimental, rhythmic sorts of things. But, you know, I really like the – felt like there was an interesting kind of like influence of Asian culture with the Lion Dance sort of feel. Like if you've ever heard of real Lion Dance, they've got these big drums and – firecrackers and stuff and so it just felt like that so anyway i thought it was cool yeah what did you think of it you could definitely tell that there's like a lot of um different influences drawn from both rhythmically and like sonically um it's interesting i um i guess i was surprised about how tonal it would be um and some of the features are really great um i forget the name of the song one of the ones in the middle um Mm. it was really really good yeah, I yeah. mean, Ian Chang um, always always blows me away with his ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I really liked the production too. There was lots of surround sound sort of stuff with these these tom fills going from ear to ear and that sort of thing. So mm. Sunlock's just uh, ridiculously talented, you know, those three people all together with their skills. So anyway. Yeah, that's that's my little short review. Um, check it out. I'll put the, some songs on the playlist. Uh, shall we move into homework? Yeah, homework time. So as I mentioned in the quiz, um, I gave Josh uh, Wolfpack's, um, I'm not sure what number album it is. It's that album called The Beautiful Game. Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's the, the one fir- that garnered, it's the first? I think it's the first one. Okay. They had a few EPs before this, um, but this is kind of the one that garnered them a bit of attention. And uh, Wolfpack, if you don't know, they're kind of like a, a funk uh, band, similar to Snarky Puppy, but with a lot more lyrical focus. 
So, um, yeah, I'll talk more about them at the end, but tell me what you thought of Wolfpack. Go in, go in blind. <laughs> yeah, um, I I have heard uh, touches of their music before, um, specifically stuff from the bass player Joe Dart um, yeah. and a tiny bit of Corey Wong, just like around the internet, they, they, they get around and, you know, the music yeah. algorithm kind of shows them to you every so often. Um, uh, yeah, but <clears throat> in terms of the, the band and the record, I am um, a bit undecided about how to feel about it, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Cause uh, I, I, I do love folk music, you know, James Brown, parliament that kind of stuff um i i feel like there's something missing um when it comes to this band and i'm i don't know what it is uh yeah um yeah like it's it like is a weird line at times of being like extremely you know and talented enjoyable kind of funk music and then on the flip side like highly overproduced overplayed elevator music like it's a weird kind of <laughs> like they walk this line and it changes like different times i listen to it i'll feel different ways about different songs um uh, for the most sure. part um so I, yeah I, I don't know how to like um what to do about it like like it's a Tell it's me a, f- a song you liked and a song you didn't like to uh, kind of give an example let me get the track list then. Um, uh, in terms of songs I liked and didn't like, yeah, probably um, I uh, I hated uh, the Conscious Club. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah, I listened what to it? I listened to it once and then never again. <laughs> was it the like drama? You know, like the talk at the beginning, the girl in the taxi, and yeah, that, that and like the beat. It just everything about it just like gelled in a way that made me want to just like I don't know just kick somebody. It was it was not good. It felt like a bit of a karaoke song, you know, like where it's got dance moves that you're supposed to follow and just like you know, kind of person teaching you the song. I don't mind it, but I can I can tell why you you wouldn't like. <laughs> yeah, it. like Animal Spirits and Dean Town are fun. El Chepe is fun. Mm. Um. Corey Wong is fun. Um yeah. the like Mozart breaks. I think it's I think that's mm. in Daddy I Got a Tesla. Yeah. Um that that kind of stuff is like over the top. I like that's too much for me. <laughs> and you have like a, a bass break and it's a like a Mozart grab from one of his <laughs> one of his songs. I was like, I don't know. It's um yeah. They've really mean Joe. Like Joe has become a very funny kind of yeah, character on the internet, at least in music circles. Yeah, because I thought he was like quote unquote the main character of the band, but it's actually like the no. singer. Um what's his name? Oh. I mean they all sing at different points, uh, but <laughs> Yeah, Theo Katzman. I felt like yeah. he's much more centric to the band than I than I knew. Um Yeah. Yeah, I I equate it to um like diet coke. It's like it's a flavor that some people love and mm. it takes you a little bit of time to adjust to if you don't if you're not used to it. Um sure. Cuz like you watch like the the live video of them in Madison Square Garden, like I watched yeah. a little bit of that and you know, like the audience is packed and 
um everything's kitschy like you get the the wood floor and like the 80s decor and they're in like their like their joggers and that kind of stuff and it's all like supposed to be kind of just like like not taken seriously um sure yeah it's a little like it has to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek um, yeah, because we've passed that era, and spoke and like it's a reference to you know it's almost referencing back to you know funk and Motown and that sort of thing. Yeah, I and guess so, so to be to go, we're actually like that is just a little bit funny. Like I don't know, I, maybe I, maybe there's ways of doing it. I don't know. I feel like I'd prefer it. You know, like sure. like it's like it's not as wild. As like George Clinton or Bootsy Collins, like those guys are like more out there, but it's also like, <laughs> but like that's the, that's the same kind of Joe Dart dressed up like Bootsy Collins. <laughs> that's the same arena, like they're playing in, you know. Um, I remember the first time I saw a Bootsy Collins picture was in a bass <laughs> magazine, and he had like six pickups on his bass, that star bass or something. It was just ridiculous. I don't know Boots. if he actually has that or that was just the ad. Bootsy is an idol. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I it's uh, obviously no question at all that these uh, players are ridiculously talented. Um, you know, you got, you got drum singing. You got uh, some yeah. incredible bass lines. Um, funk guitar is kind of boring to me, but I'm sure he's playing interesting things. Um, I feel a bit the same. I think Corey can do more interesting stuff when he's by himself than like just the yeah. kind of <laughs> yeah for twenty five minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of it. I don't know how to feel about this record. It has it has good points. It has low points. Um, it's fine. I, f- I feel like if me if I was like if I was more starved for like jazz and funk in my like listening repertoire, I would glom onto it. But because I know that there's like other stuff out there and like, it's okay to listen to things from the 1970s and eighties. Like it's, I don't have to. You, you know, the bigger picture. Like, is is that fair? (laughs) No, no, no. Look, here's the interesting thing. I don't listen to Wolfpack a lot. I listen to this album every now and then and go, Oh, it's great. It's lots of fun. It's just kind of like, it's a fun time. It's not something that like I need to come back to. And that's okay. Like I think that not every album or band has to be, you know, for you playable all the time. For mm. some people, they probably mm. listen to this all the time. You know, I have friends and they love this is the kind of music they just put on all the time. And for me, this is more like an event. It's like, oh, I'm gonna listen to some funk like <laughs> intentionally. And like I watched Madison Square Garden and had a watch of that and just really enjoyed that. And then I was like, all right, back to some chill hop while work or, you know, <laughs> or some, you know, synth pop while I'm driving yeah. or yeah, something yeah. like this. And, and, um, yeah. No. So what you're going to say, I fine. mean, to be honest, this, this music is the, is better kind of appreciated in a live setting anyways. Like it's yeah, like the amount of like work that goes in for them to be playing tightly together that's more appreciated when you can see them doing it rather than just on a record and in my opinion even though i think this is like a quote-unquote live take kind of record anyways yeah i think i think that i would prefer this i i, I prefer this than like someone like evane malmstein who is obviously yeah. very good at the guitar but i just don't like the music 
<laughs> but these guys, it's the it's the Venn diagram circle that they're really good at their instruments and I like listening to the music because there's a bit of a difference between that. Like all Guthrie right, Govan is very talented, yeah. but, you know, I don't like listening to him all the time. I'll pay that. They are better than Joe Cetriani and Yingwei Malmsteen. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> give you that. People are going to hate me for me even comparing, like... <laughs> rock metal shredding with like funk but the 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 thing is like being talented at your instrument and it being accessible to listen to yeah, yeah. is the key i mean the yeah the, the funny thing about yingwei he just wants to be paganini but people don't know who that is anymore oh man <laughs> i mean he probably does yeah um, he found so funny. I remember watching G3 videos and he's just like there wearing like every bracelet he owns on every arm and he's playing this like this uh, nylon string acoustic which is bolted to a stand so that he can swing his electric behind his back and then play this shredding <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> this nylon string which has the lowest action i've ever heard on a nylon string it's basically like an electric guitar oh, anyway dear. anyway i'll just say this last thing i really appreciated in madison square garden when wolfpack taught the audience how to sing the harmonies for back pocket yeah because um like as a music educator like i really appreciate how flawlessly he moved from harmony to harmony to harmony whilst not dropping time at all you know someone was beatboxing in the background and he was like you know bringing them in with the note and then getting them to sing it and then all together and then they sing it and they didn't stop at any point and recount themselves in again they just went straight in and then they went straight in to the real song the not the acoustic like um a cappella version anyway yeah. i was just like gosh you guys like you guys live and breathe this stuff and it's very <laughs> evident. So. There's either some uh, some very crafty video editing or post-production happening or that crowd can actually carry a note as well, which is helpful. <laughs> I, I imagine that, the again, the Venn diagram of people who enjoy this, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, people who are musicians and people who enjoy this kind of music, there's a bit of an overlap in the middle. So some, some other nerds there. <laughs> well, as a nerd who went along to Jacob Collier twice, <laughs> um, the, the audience that's in a Jacob Collier concert are also music nerds who can probably sing in three-part or four-part mm. harmony, which is what mm. he gets you to do. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> shall we move on? Do you want to yes. tell me what you gave me? Um, this is, uh, again, another episode of uh, Josh doesn't know why he gives Ash these records, but kind of just wanted to. Um, it's fine. So I think they're from Bristol. Uh, the two-person band Beach House released mm -hmm. their eighth album uh sometime last month and it came out and people were uh quite positive about it uh you know it's getting eights and nines and that kind of stuff um mm -hmm. so i thought uh it's been a while since we talked a bit of dream pop and i feel like you enjoy yeah. that part of the scale more than i do um so i thought i'd give it to you i didn't realize that it was an hour and a half long i'm sorry about that <laughs> That's fine. Um, it's four discs. It's a double album. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I didn't know that people were doing these anymore. So it's huge. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, how did you feel about this kind of, uh, say the word, lush dream pop album? Actually? Yeah. So so interestingly, yeah, this this does feel like a, a mixture in my mind between Slow Dive and Always. Um, mm. 
you've got a lot of those, yeah, very, it, it's got the kind of breathy uh, vocals of Slow Dive and Always, but it has um, less kind of rhythm than those two. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just one of my main critiques. I would have liked these songs to feel a little bit more punchy when they're doing the punchy and then, you know, the softer ones were cool because it was this duo and evidently they don't have like a full band. Not that they can't have like good drum samples or something, but yeah. it felt a bit smaller than those other two bands. Um, so, yeah, it is it is a very big album for Dream Pop where you've got songs which are, you know, only four and a half to five minutes long to have, uh, what is it, like 20 of them? There's, yeah. <laughs> four discs and there's five five to four songs on each one um and so it was good actually having a little bit more time i got to have this in my head a little bit bigger <laughs> more than like um just you know giving it a few listens um so yeah a few things very breathy vocals mm. um very lush uh, pads and strings and and kind of synthesizer samples and that sort of thing the drums are a mixture between like feeling like an old drum machine and then kind of something a little bit more electronic. Yeah. Um, it also reminded me a bit of a band that I reviewed a while back called Sound of Series. Do you remember that band? Um, oh, yeah. 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 That similar sort of vein. Um, but I actually enjoyed this more than that. Um, the thing, some of the songs, like, I felt they were just a little bit too chill. I wanted them to, in your words, have a bit more unga-bunga sort unga of bunga. rhythm to them. Yeah. <laughs> But but then they really shone on the tracks that had um, acoustic guitar and like other acoustic instruments, as well as the breathy uh, lyrics and and other samples. Mm. So songs like The Bells and Many Nights were beautiful, really, really beautiful songs. And they had a really interesting mix of these acoustic and electric songs. So um, I think... Listening through it again last night, I feel like some of their, I feel like some of their melodies could have been a bit more interesting, because as I was listening through, I'm like, there are about four main songs that really stood out to me, um, yeah. which is not too many when you've got an 18 song album, <laughs> and so I wondered whether some of these didn't need to be on here. Um, actually, I've heard of Beach House before and had a little bit of a listen to Seven, which is obviously their seventh album. And I like that a bit more in terms mm. of sound. It was a bit gutsier, like it, yeah, just felt a bit stronger than this. Um, yeah. Because I, I felt like I got lost in this one and couldn't quite tell which was which track, um, because they all sounded very tonally similar, and there were so many of them. Um, but who am I to criticize long albums? Um, <laughs> so yeah, so my favorite songs were Superstar right near the beginning, Runaway, Sunset. The Bells and Many Nights, those are really good songs, like mm. just strong melodies, great uh, instrumentation and that sort of thing. Have you, did you listen to it as well? Yeah, I went through it a couple of times. Um, it definitely is heavy on like the dreamy kind of influence. Um, like I get what you mean. It's hard to pick out uh, individual songs at times. Um, yeah. It's quite a like passive is the wrong word. It's it's um yeah, it's quite a similar record to itself. Um 
<laughs> it's, refer- it's referencing itself. Yeah. And at, at yeah. times, I think the the percussion made me, it took me out a little bit. Like, it made me feel like this record didn't, wasn't made in, like, 2022. Like, it, um, I, I could see this being made 30 years ago, and I think it would right. sound yeah. basically the same, um, which is, like, I, I guess a good thing, but also... Like hopefully the band would have like evolved or pushed themselves in some kind of direction since then, but I obviously don't know. I haven't listened to them that much. Um, I think I think that sometimes, like with Slow Dive, when they came back after twenty one years and made self titled, they it sounds like they deliberately tried to make the same kind of, kind of sounding record hmm. as what they did in the nineties, and so maybe that's just a part of the way that. Um, this genre works. I don't know. I'm not yeah. really in in the know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's fair. I ha- having gone through like some different weirder uh, edges of the shoegaze corners. I feel like some people are trying to push it in a more modern front, and I feel like a lot of the yeah. dream pop stuff is like, no, this is like how it sounds and is going to sound, and it's hard to escape from that kind of little bubble even if you're as big a group as beach house you know yeah um but otherwise yeah quite pleasant you know um Mm. the kind of like album you could like have the fairy lights on and turn the lights off and just like you know listen to while you imagine dreaming kind of different things so yeah it's definitely beautiful i i thought the same that it was a very restful album to listen to and i enjoyed listening through it yeah i just um i there the standouts for me were kind of when they did something a little bit different in sound um because i have heard this kind of sound before and it is nice when there's a different iteration it feels a little bit unique Yeah, no, it's cool. I I've heard I've seen Beach House around and and never got around to properly listening to them. So cheers for that. Beach House. All right. Uh, honorable mentions time. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Uh, so one of my uh, favorite Scandinavian garage punk bands, uh, mm-hmm. the Spielbergs. Um, so they released an album in like 20, Steven, is that you? <laughs> 2017, 2018. Yeah. It's hard to search for them, um, online. Yeah. Um, they released an album, which I thought was really great. Uh, it's kind of this, um, scrappy put together, but actually quite tuneful. Um, mm-hmm. so they have released a new single for the first time in four or five years called brother of mine. And it's, I don't know. It's great. I love it. It's um that kind of uh aspect of like fast music where you can you know get the beat going but you can still do interesting things um yeah uh, it reminds me i don't know there's like a history of like good garage punk in that area with like the hives and the helicopters and it's kind of like a more tuneful cousin of those um so i'll put that on um nice and then uh yeah i don't know how to classify this record i it's uh by a band called king hannah um i'm not sorry i was just being me it's the name of the album um and i found it in the uh shoegaze section of Bandcamp. um 
but really there's only a couple tracks on it that I would qualify as that. Other ones are more like blues rock and like avant-garde, like angry folk. Like it's kind of a uh, interesting mesh. Um, and some songs I think are really interesting and some songs are like, I kind of are okay. Um, but they're like, a, I think they're a two piece out of England. Um, Mm-hmm. That I've just kind of been going through. Anyway, King Hannah, very interesting. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, this one I've been holding on to for a while. Um, <clears throat> so uh, my favorite boy, Zune, um, oh. teamed up with another indigenous artist who usually goes by the name Station to Station. No, uh, that's not his name. Status Non-Status. Sorry. Oh, okay. Interesting. Station to Station is a David Bowie album. Um, uh, He goes by the name Status on Status, which obviously is a reference to government programs for indigenous people. Um, Right, yeah. Anyway, so they've formed a band together called uh, Ombigizi, I think. Uh, If I mispronounce that, I apologize. Um, There's lots of eyes in it. Uh, And then uh, the album's called Sewn Back Together. And it's uh, these two guys uh, working together um to make some really interesting uh alternative music that kind of uh draws the line between like more psychedelic some shoegazy some alt rock um with yeah. more uh more common uh melodies um but it's been really interesting um i've been thinking about doing a full review on it but i don't think i have the time unfortunately but it's really good um i'll, again, I'll give it a listen i'm more canadian music yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, um Fontaine's DC. Uh I think I've talked a little bit about them uh in the last month or so, but they I have a new album. Say, I've talked about them a little bit before. Like, a little bit before. A little bit? <laughs> they have they have an album coming out in May. Um yeah. and they've been releasing they've put out three singles now, maybe four. Um yeah. and I don't know. I'm really excited. I like the the production is different. They're taking interesting directions with songs. Like some have like, you know, techno beats and like Euro dance, like backgrounds to them. Um, yeah. The drums are really interesting. The, the drum sound. Oh my goodness. This is like starting to become one of my favorite sounding drum records. Um, so I'm very excited to see what these boys do uh, when this record comes out. Cause their singles have been sounding awesome. Um, for the listeners, Josh sends me a lot of YouTube videos about drum recording. It's uh, just like, seems to be his jam at the moment. <laughs> sending me one about Foo Fighters last night. Yeah. That's a really interesting video. Uh, um, I don't yeah, know why. I, it sounded cool. So that guy, I've watched him before. This is a bit of a tangent um, about how to like do muted drums, like 70s style um without buying stuff like you can buy these things called like i think they're like drum fajitas or drum tacos or something like yeah. that and you just like whack them mm-hmm. on these like these thick pads um and he was like it's how like you can do drums without having to do all that kind of stuff and that yeah. came back in my box and then you sound like andy shelf yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but that move that that video is him talking about the recording of uh the food fighter song my hero um i don't know if you've heard that one before it has a very famous drum intro. Um, yeah, I probably have, but I don't know it well. And the the sound is quite iconic because people didn't really know this, or they might have, but they had, nobody really talks about it, where 
the toms in the recording sound huge and the rest of the kit is super close and tight and um in an interview recently one of the original uh engineers talked about how they recorded the snare and cymbals and bass drum in the studio and then they recorded the toms and another snare take out in a parking garage um and then kind of like mix them together to kind of give that like gigantic feel while still being mm. kind of in your face. And so the video is this guy Very trying clever. to recreate that with his like his own kind of garage and house. Um, yeah. And anyway. And, and that leads into the sad news uh, <laughs> about the Foo Fighters, right? Yeah, that's really sad. Um, yeah. Um, their, their drummer passed away um, a couple of weeks, uh, about a week ago. Yeah. So Taylor Hawkins, uh, drummer for Foo Fighters, drummer for Alanis Morissette and Tom Petty, um, died at 50 uh, mm. while they're touring South America. They're supposed to play the Grammys in a week and we'll be able to do that or all their shows start in North America. I think they're playing in Vancouver in September and they're kind of mm. pulling all that stuff. It's really sad. I mean, yeah. Um, obviously he's a, he's a wife and a family and then poor Dave losing another really close friend. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's, it's, it's sad. It's yeah. Yeah. Taylor um, Hawkins. Great guy. Good job. Yeah. Go listen to some Foo Fighters. Yeah. I, I do, um, <laughs> did you want me to go with my honorable mentions? Yeah, you can go for it. Uh, so I'm surprised you didn't mention them, but it, it might make sense. There's a new Arcade Fire dual single out. Oh, that's... <laughs> it's probably just gotten drowned out by the amount of other things you've you've been listening to. Yes. But uh, it also might be indicative of the fact that you're reserving your judgment on this at the moment. So um, for the listeners who don't know, Arcade Fire have a new album coming out in June, is it? Uh, yes. It's in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, and so they've released uh, a dual single called The Lightning 1 and 2, and I am going to go out there and say I really like them, actually. <laughs> um, I've had them in my head for the past few weeks, and I try not to listen to them too much, but um, that melody is nice. The melody that they released like beforehand for people to play, and then they released a song similar to Pup, like you said. Yeah. It's quite clever. Um, but it is a really it is a beautiful song, and I was thinking last night. There's something unique in the way. Uh, maybe this is a bit nerdy, but I like the way you Arcade Fire do like a five chord with a four bass. They often do like mm. they'll go from the sixth chord to the five chord, and the the rest of the band will play there, stay there, and then you hear the bass go to the four, and then they'll resolve to the one, and that feels very of a different era. And they do it in the Lightning. Uh, what part one and I quite like that I think I I like part one better than part two although part two sounds a little bit like stuff <laughs> off funeral but anyway sounds like a gang of you songs what it sounds like uh, yeah um, listening to Dave <laughs> yeah it's it's complicated because on one hand I would love the arcade fire to make a good album again um and then on the other hand I'd be kind of disappointed if like the like it does feel like a, a quote unquote old song by them, um, like, and it be it'd be a bit disappointing to me 
if like their latest effort just kind of sounded like their old stuff, um, which I know is a contradictory statement to what I just said a second no, ago. No, no, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, to say like, I'll just do it again is like the Star Wars effect where people yeah. go, actually, I didn't really want it again. <laughs> yeah. So like they've had like th- th- um, three albums to grow since, you know, Neon Bible or The Suburbs. And they've done like dance mm. stuff and then more pop dance stuff. And so now they're just going to go back to where they were before. It's kind of like a little bit disappointing. Um, but obviously mm. I haven't, we haven't heard the album. So I'm again, reserving judgment, but that's just kind of what I'm, I'm nervous about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'm, I have a little less baggage about this one. So I'm like, sweet, <laughs> cool, new songs. <laughs> Like and, I went to see them play everything now, and yeah. you're like, Whoa. it's it's better than that. I will I will say that much. Oh my goodness! They actually played a lot of other songs at that concert, by the way. Ugh, no, I just I can't. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we haven't really talked about this online, but we Asher and I share differing views on Reflector and everything now. Yeah, even. Yeah, I it's an interesting one and I think listening to it every now and then I can see what you mean, but I still like Reflector. I still <laughs> think it's actually a pretty solid album. It has some boring parts, but you know, I wasn't deep enough, I suppose, into Arcade Fire to kind of see it as a huge turn. I don't know. Anyway, I'll stop. <laughs> um yeah, so new Arcade Fire soon, which I'm looking forward to and Josh is kind of. So, um <laughs> I should have mentioned this before, but Sunlux have a new track out from their new soundtrack coming out for mm. the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. And so this is a collaboration with David Byrne and Mitski. So um, I actually didn't mention it on the podcast, but I've been listening to a bit of Mitski as well. Mm. And she's pretty cool. Um, Lauren Hell, I think, is her new album. And sometimes it sounds a little bit too 80s for me but you know she has a great voice and she sounds pretty cool cool on this new song so um i'm i'm very interested and they also released another track with moses someone but i don't i don't know it as well i haven't listened to it that much but sure. um so I'm, I'm excited for the soundtrack to come out this april i think it is so and yeah um i have a couple more quick ones uh, Soccer Mummy has a new single. That's right. um, she's got an album coming out later this year. Josh is bothered because <laughs> shotguns don't have bullets. Um, so he's just cancelling the song on, you know, incorrect. Not, not how shotguns work. They can have bullets if you have a very specific shell. But otherwise, they fire shot. Come on, people. It's not that anyway. hard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a uh, it's a cool song. Um, you know, you know, I've had a really funny um, song association going on in my head. Yeah. Song, Soccer Mummy has a um, a song called Dog. Um, so like, and the line is like, "I don't want to be your dog," mm. and somehow in my mind that bleeds into, "I don't want to be your monkey wrench." Okay, okay, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So somehow those two. Match together in my head, Soccer Mummy and Foo Fighters. So I'll chuck them on the playlist and people can decide whether I'm insane or not. I was wondering if you're going to go with I Want to Be Your Dog by uh, Iggy Pop and the uh, and his band. Oh, I, I don't know much Iggy Pop. so he, He's a song sorry. called I Want to Be Your Dog. There we go. So Soccer Mummy is drawing some influences. 
Um, one last one. Um, Josh and I both share a love of a soundtrack to a game called Hyperlight Drifter. Um, and recently it's been announced that there is a new game coming out called Hyperlight Breaker. And I've been trying to find everywhere where the disaster piece is doing the soundtrack again. But I did want to say I did enjoy the music in the trailer for this game. Um, it had a very similar sort of, you know, suspense to it. Um, disaster piece has these beautiful kind of like um, synthesized sounds mixed with piano, mixed with other stuff. And so I'm quite uh, interested in that. So mm. anyway, I will put that in the show notes. There's no song yet. And I've I've tried to ask the devs but have not yet got a reply. So we'll <laughs> see. Oh, I just commented on the Instagram post. It's nothing like formal we'll see what they say anyway we want to end on but uh that's that's us in i don't know it might turn out to be a long episode it might not we'll see how we go <laughs> do you want to oh no you know what we need to do we gotta spin that wheel <laughs> all right we have forgotten to several times in a row spin our homework wheel um <laughs> we're pros we're, we're pros. so good at this, this. Mate. we actually don't have day jobs this is all we do so um yeah <laughs> I'm going to spin the spinner. You ready? I'm going to pick our homework theme. Please. Here we go. Okay. Oof, that was loud. Uh, it's a random random Bandcamp band album. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. So uh, I'll send you the link and you can like randomly find a Bandcamp album for me to listen to. And you can you can pass off the sludge metal if you want, yeah. or you can just give it to me. <laughs> this is, this is a chance of being very obsequious or quite quite good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. What was that word you used? Obsequious. I don't know what that means, but I gather it's, it means weird. So it's, it's, that's uh, cool. Maybe that's the You're wrong very word. smart, Joshua. I think I think I used it in the wrong context. Oh well, whatever. That's fine. You want to take us out? Well, that has been episode forty-four. Of what we're yep. listening to? My goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, uh, uh, oh, thanks very much for listening. Please go uh, on to our socials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if, if it would behoove you to leave us a rating or a review or a message um, on our social media, we have Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook sometimes or Spotify, iTunes. Um, it helps with the almighty algorithm and uh, mm-hmm. it helps us just kind of connect more people, get more uh, ideas out there or know that people are listening and, you know, like engaging in new music. It's kind of what we love to do. Um, we just love talking about this kind of stuff and finding new things. So any of those yep. um, lines you want to throw us, we will definitely bite on. Um, yes. So once again, thanks for listening. Sorry, it's a bit long. We're back on track, and uh, yep. I'll see you next time, Asher. Well done, Joshua. That was good. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> see you, man. <laughs>